my expenses aren't like you know lavish i drive like a 10 year old car which has very little mileage recently i like to go to like live theater but yeah i'm not like super lavish i'm pretty regular you know most people won't know i have like this much amount of money saved welcome millionaires and future millionaires you're listening to the millionaires unveiled podcast the show where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires will unveil their decisions their strategies and their portfolio allocation now to your host jace mattinson Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaires and Vell Podcast. This is episode number 321. Stace, your voice is back. How's it going? My voice is mostly back. Happy to be back here. Good deal. Well, today we have a almost millionaire episode. She is just shy of about, what, $900,000? Half of it's in cash. She's got a little bit in, in her 401k and then some in home equity, first-time homeowner as of uh, recently that she is turning and doing some projects around, I think, which is pretty commonplace nowadays, especially those of us uh, that, that are well, not us. We don't live on the coast, but we travel the coast. But those of those, those of those, those of you who live on the coast uh, doing a lot of uh, Airbnb conversions or adding units onto your places to generate some additional income. So that's something that she's undertaking. And uh, yeah, going to be a great episode with her. This is Sarah, and she works in analytics. And without any further delay, let's get into the episode with Sarah. Sarah, do you want to just give us a little about your background and what you're up to now? Hi, thank you for having me. Um, so my name is Sarah. I live in the Northeast. My net worth is currently sitting at about 900, I'm sorry, 890K. Um, I am a analytics professional that's focused in healthcare and I've been doing that for the entirety of my career. Gotcha. Okay, awesome. So just under a million bucks, how is the million bucks, uh, or just under, I said you said just under 900K, is that correct? Yeah, just under 900K. Yes. And how is that broken up? So I am pretty cash heavy. So I would say 50% of it is in cash. The other 30 is in investments and the other is in property. In, in regards to investments, what does that mean? Is that in retirement accounts? Is that in a brokerage account? What does that look like? So um, all of my investments are currently in uh, retirement accounts, 401k primarily. Um, so I'm currently vested in prior employer plans and my current employer plans as well. Okay. And then do you have a split or is it all kind of in index funds and mutual funds or do you have a split between bonds and stocks? Um, so they're mostly in target um, 2030, 2040 accounts currently. 2030, that's only in a few years. Are you retiring soon? I am not. Um, something that I need to change, but yeah. So the target dates like are differ between differ based upon um, sort of when I joined the employer. And how did you decide for you personally to choose those target date ones? I decided to actually didn't really make like a huge, I didn't really think about it. I thought about just making sure that if there were dips in the market, um, I'll be able to absorb that by just 
essentially just staying in the market. I tend to be a bit conservative. So by picking a longer range plan, it won't be as aggressive as something that is closer to the current date. Interesting. So in terms of strategy, do you max those out every year? And and do you get do you get an employer match or has it been just as much as you could kind of put in over the years? Yeah. So when I started my career, I um, was at an employer for about eight years and definitely took advantage of the employer match. Sadly, in my in the beginning of my career, I didn't really think about the max out or maxing out essentially. I just basically put money in. Um, so I think I remember back then, prior to the pandemic, I was I think co- contributing for a good amount of years at like ten percent. Now I am currently at fifteen percent, uh, just to ensure that you know I am maxing out on my 401k balances. Awesome. And in terms of kind of strategy going forward, is that is that the plan that you continue to max out employer retirement or employer sponsored retirement plans? Yeah, that's my plan uh, is to max out and then also take advantage of the employee sponsored uh, plan as well. Okay. And then you mentioned you have some property is that in some investments that you have or is it in primary residence? So it's primarily um, just my my own resident. So I just, I, I'm a fairly new homeowner. I bought in 2001, about two years ago. I'm currently renovating the basement to turn it into an Airbnb uh, like studio apartment so I could rent it out or Airbnb it out to prospective people. Um, so that's sort of my plan. My it's essentially my um, my plan. So in case I lose my job or something happens in the market, I have something to fall back on. Can you walk us through the cash balance? Why do you have so much in cash relative to your net worth as a percentage? Yeah. So I got laid off like a couple of times, like twice, and that really scared me. And along with um the market going down, that's what caused me to currently have so much in my cash balances. It makes me feel better. (laughs) I do have them in like high yield savings accounts. I don't know. I just feel more secure having that much liquidity. So honestly, I haven't had that much cash in there for that long. I just like to have it on hand in case anything happens. I think I like to just stay as liquid as possible in case anything happens or there's some sort of like doomsday situation. (laughs) I can understand wanting to uh, be prepared for any scenario. Do you feel like, is there, is there a numerical value you'd like to hit before you stop keeping so much in cash or do you have a, a longer game plan there? I think as far as numerical values, I have met sort of that sum I, I think I need to, what I need to do is that I need to just sit down and create a better plan for what I want to do with the cash. Earlier this year, I did meet with an investment advisor and, you know, I still need to make that decision be, mostly because I just really have distrust in the market and I'm mostly comfortable with investing in my 401k and, and not putting like all of my cash in um, 
in like a stock or a bond. I know that I'm doing myself a disservice, but um, it's definitely a decision that I have to make before the end of the year. So it's on my docket of things to do. So a little bit of TBD on on what happens with the cash from here. Yeah. So tell me about your decision to rent out your basement, especially as a woman, do you have any concerns about safety in doing that? Or do you, is this something you have felt comfortable with? Have you had friends do this before? I haven't had friends do this before, but I have stayed at a number of Airbnb properties. Um, As a woman, definitely safety is key for me. So the big thing is that it's in the basement. So, um, you know, I will have um, like the doors locked upstairs. So if someone were to stay downstairs, I won't have access to the upper floors because I have like laundry and everything down there. So they virtually will not um, even need to come up here. I'm also building a bathroom and I'm also creating a small kitchenette and I'll have like a refrigerator and a... um, like a small stove. So not super concerned about safety crossing my fingers, but, um, you know, hopefully just putting security measures into place just to ensure my safety. I have had other Airbnb stay at my, in my spare room. I had a couple earlier this year and I had a good experience, but I think I I would want a guest to be in a different living quarters than I am in. For sure. Absolutely. So let's reverse a little bit. I'd love to hear more about what got you started on this financial journey. Is this something that's always been top of mind or something you've kind of dove into more as the years have gone by? You know, I... I've always thought about fin- like making sure that I was financially secure, especially as a woman and still being single. Um, you know, I don't really have like a, like a plan B or a family that could help me out financially. So I've always had to rely upon myself. And as a part of that, you know, I, I remember early in my career, I made it the goal to save, you know, 30k a year when I wasn't making that much and I was able to do that I made it I I told myself okay I want to save 100k and then now I would like to be worth a million dollars so it's something that I've always thought about I've always followed a lot of financial forecast uh, podcasts and influencers so I kind of in my universe of um, people that I speak to and listen to it's always about finance Well, very nice. You are well on your way. Congratulations for that. (laughs) Thank you. Tell us a little bit more about your spending habits. And do you think those will change after you reach that million dollar mark? Well, so I am pretty frugal outside of the renovation budget, which I feel like I'm always like at uh, Home Depot buying something. You know, I work from home. So you know, I don't really have to drive to work. On occasion, I take the train into a neighboring city. My food budget is quite minimal. I mostly cook a lot at home because I'm always at home working. So always make sure that I have food at home. Um, I think my biggest expense outside of the mortgage is utilities. Uh, My utilities are very high. So I try to make sure Actually, I'm really not on like a budget, but I try to make sure that I always have money 
for utilities and like the water bill. So what I do for home expenses is that I have a savings uh, savings and checking account with my the bank that I acquired the mortgage with. So essentially like anything that has to do with the home, I take from that account and doesn't go into like my spending account. So essentially my mortgage my mortgage is like automatically deducted from that mortgage account. I just have to make sure that every other week when I get paid there's monies that's automatically put into that account just to f- keep on funding it. My expenses aren't like, you know, lavish. I drive like a 10-year-old car which has very low mileage. Recently I like to go to like live theater. But yeah, I'm not like super lavish. I'm pretty regular, you know. Most people won't know I have like this much amount of money saved. And and how long do you think you've been on this journey to to go from essentially zero or maybe did you have significant debt before you really even got started in your working professional life? Yeah. So when I first when I first started working, I had about revolving debt of about like between $5,000 and $7,000. That was a terrible decision because I literally felt that ball and chain behind me. So I think right in the same year of the pandemic, I ended up just paying it off. And since then, I really tried to keep my balances at $500 or below um, because I really don't have like that many expenses or really spend that much amount of money. I try to keep it like below that. In the instances where it's gone above 500, I try to pay it off. Um, I've been utilizing my credit card while I've been purchasing things for the renovation of the basement, just in case like I need to return something, it just makes it easier. Um, Once that's done, I typically just pay it off just so that that balance doesn't carry over and it doesn't affect my um, credit uh, score. Talk to us a little bit about the career path that that you've chosen in analytics and and what that's done in in terms of you know giving you the ability to kind of propel yourself career wise and and you know garner quite a bit of money. Yeah, um, first, like analytics is something that I truly enjoy. You know, I like working with numbers. I like trending, you know, data over time, and that's what I even do with my own financial tracker. You know, analytics has allowed me to have the flexibility to have on an on-demand job. I mean, there's always a role that's out there for me in case, let's say I don't like my current job now, there's always a job. One thing that, you know, I've been able to do is to really um, also leverage my skills into different industries. Um, so right now I'm trying to market myself, not only in the career space that I'm in, in the current industry that I'm in, but to be able to leverage and pivot into other industries. Um, Because obviously there's data everywhere. You just really need to learn how to code and understand what's happening in the data and to be able to answer the business questions. So I think analytics has been really good to me. And as far as career growth, I feel that I in the in the first half of my career, I stayed at one job for a long time, and I realized that it really didn't do me uh, service at all. I have thought about, you know, it's really about picking the right company and the right financial incentives that companies offer, um, such as you know a hefty bonus, 
stock options and such. So I think the the key thing was for me to move to a better company that would align with my financial goals. So I, I started my career in academia of all places. And, um, you know, in academia, they don't have fancy bonuses as they would, as they would in like a fortune 500 company. So it's with those companies where you can really grow your career and, you know, re, um, reap those financial benefits. Yeah. Appreciate you, uh, sharing that. I mean, it's one thing that I, I think we probably don't talk about enough is just career choices and, it sounds like you've really found and, and developed the love for, for what you do, which I feel like, you know, traditionally makes it a lot easier to continue to earn and get better at your craft and in turn, obviously be able to, you know, accumulate a, a substantial net worth. Yeah. So where does Sarah go from here? Do you have a target net worth down the road? Is there a passive income goal? Is there something out there in the future that, that you're, you know, lingering towards that you think about frequently? Yeah, I, I have a couple of things. Um, definitely passive income with the um, renovation that I'm doing. So to be able to host Airbnb guests or even have a tenant downstairs um, so I can be, become more, you know, W-2 independent or yeah, W-2 independent rather than just relying upon a company to always, you know, finance my life because I have gone through like two rounds of layoffs and, you know, you could have a job one day and then the next day they're like, sorry, we don't need you any longer, <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, I would like to become more independent. Having that Airbnb, possibly starting a business around like maybe analytics consulting that I'd like to do. So thinking about like getting clients yeah, th- those are the like the two things just to make myself more independent and l- less reliant upon a company um, financing my lifestyle. You've got lots of big goals ahead of you, Sarah. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah. So as you're doing this renovation, are you doing most of the work yourself or have you been hiring that out? How are you doing this the most yeah. economically friendly way you can? Yeah. So I've formed a really good relationship with my contractor. I've been working with him for over a year, started out just doing like small jobs. And then I asked about, you know, okay, could you do this project? And he was pretty open about it. So yeah, I started in August and bathroom is, well, the big room is done, but we're just currently working on a very small bathroom. But yeah, it's going well. I think we have a good working relationship, communicate well with each other. So yeah, no, no complaints there. It's just that I haven't like spent that much an amount of money at like Home Depot. So it's quite shocking to like see the cash register and say, oh my God, what? You know? Right. Do you, yeah. At, at this point, do I need a contractor card or? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But um, yeah, but luckily, you know, we're almost done. So I'm not spending as much money any longer. But um, yeah, it's definitely been a learning experience for me. Well, congratulations on that. How long has it taken you to grow from the beginning of your uh, financial journey to, to, you know, almost a millionaire to where you are now? I would say about 13 years. Very nice. That's, that's not a long time at all. It can happen to anybody, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've always been a big saver and, you know, I always believed in like uh, delayed gratification. So when all my friends were 
taking trips and doing all these incredibly expensive things, I'll say, well, guys, I'll see you when you come back. So yeah, and really, that's the way I was able to get my house, you know, I think earlier in my career, everyone was just so focused on like traveling and everything. And, you know, I wasn't a big traveler. So I just kind of like, always knew that I would just stay in my own lane. And um, when this I found this house, I I pounced on it without hesitate, without any financial hesitation at all. That's great. That's the kind of freedom that you're looking for. Yeah. What is your savings rate today? Um, I would say it's about like 30%. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really have that many expenses because it's just me outside of like the house and, you know, the utility bills, which are like expensive as heck but um <laughs> welcome yeah. to adult life right yeah and, and you know it's just me and I always think like if I had a whole family I don't I don't even know how much it would cost because I just don't know like everything runs on electric here but it's just so expensive I I, I don't understand so and it's just me <laughs> yeah awesome do, do you I mean I guess as you've gone through the last 13 plus years of your journey, is there anything that you've started to splurge on as you've accumulated more wealth? Yeah. um, I think prior to the pandemic, I was doing some traveling. So I would take like at least like two trips a year after I'm back to just one because I don't know, I just feel like I'm more of an introvert now and like to be at home and do things locally. So one trip a year is fine and also don't really like going away by myself anymore as much as I thought I did. So I think I'm just satisfied with one trip a year. Of late, I like going to um, Broadway shows. So I've been trying to like check out new shows um, that I can attend just as entertainment and just getting myself to be more social. Yeah, I'm not like a big like designer person or anything I think a lot of like the pandemic really like shifted the things that were prior to me like I used to shop a lot but now I really don't because I really don't need to or even the clothes that I have you know I can use a lot more it it can go further because I'm not wearing it every single day like I don't remember the last time I bought like high heels and I used to purchase high heels all the time because I had to wear them all the time. So yeah. Listen, no one needs high heels anymore. Thank you, 2020. Yeah. Yeah. So I am very simple these days. So um, I mean, outside of like spending at Home Depot and spending on the house, that's really like the luxury. (laughs) Awesome. Well, let's wrap up with some rapid fire questions. What's the most expensive pair of shoes that you've purchased now that we're talking about high heels? I would say maybe about like 80 bucks. Okay. What about the most expensive meal out that you paid for? I'd say about like $200 just for me. Okay. What did you have? I had like a steak and lobster at like a higher end restaurant. So yeah. Dang, living right. I love it. Yeah. What about the most most expensive trip or experience that you've been on? I took a trip last year around my birthday to the Virgin Islands. And that was really nice. I spent 10 days out there. And do you remember how much you paid for it? I would say it was about like $5,000. Okay, so not terrible. Yeah. What was a key lesson that you learned from childhood? 
Oh, wow, that's a good one. I would say education is the most important thing. I think my family really focuses on education, and that's something that I, you know, I've also focused on in my own personal development and in future self as well. What is the craziest thing that you've done to earn money? Uh, let's see. I drove for DoorDash once because I was bored. And how was it? It was a waste of money. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was a waste of like, you know, reusing my car. They make more money than we do. So I just stopped. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. What about the most fun that you've had with money? Um, I would say like my birthday trips. I always, you know, try to go somewhere fun. And, you know, have a nice stay somewhere. I like staying at Airbnbs because you guess you, you get to stay at like very unique properties and have a pool. And um, yeah, I think money provides you with freedom. So, you know, I give myself those 10 days to do whatever I want. And yeah, I enjoy it. At what point will you know you're ready for retirement? Gosh, I feel like I'm ready for retirement now. <laughs> I honestly not, not just emotionally, I mean financially. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, I honestly feel like a million dollars isn't enough in this time. Perhaps I give myself 10 years. So if I make it to 10 years and I've saved maybe an additional million dollars, I guess two million will be fine for me. Yeah. Hopefully. Have you done an an exercise where you've kind of gone through what dream retirement looks like and and what that would cost you? Yeah. I mean, my dream retirement, I would love to move to a climate that's warmer. I love to garden. So be able to do that and maybe start some like garden focused business. So um, be work optional, but doing something that I love and not to be in that corporate environment. So that's great. I like your business ideas. We we look forward to hearing back from you how those businesses are going in a while. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What was your first job? My first job was as a babysitter. And do you remember how much you made? God, I think maybe like five bucks an hour or so. You're hired. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're running out of cash over here for babysitters. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Yeah, they want 401k plans. They want <laughs> they want health insurance. I know. Yeah, it's big business. That's great. What's a closely held belief that you once had that you recently changed your mind on? Oh, that's a good one. I guess that money will make you happy. Yeah, I think like money to a certain point makes you happy, but you really have to be content with yourself and the life that you're living. I think now when I look at my bank balances... I'm content where I am, but I know that in order to keep myself in a good financial standing, I still need to earn more, but I'm honestly happy where I am. You know, I am at a point where I am truly content and I'm not so driven by money and like things and acquiring things all the time. Awesome. What would be your last pieces of advice or word of advice for somebody who's just starting out on their journey? I would say as for someone who's starting out in their financial journey, focus on earning as much as you can. I think that's the biggest thing. So if it's like a side gig 
or, you know, getting, you know, getting a new job, you know, you don't always have to stay at that job for like eight plus years, you know, um, you can move around, but like, I think it's important to really, you know, earn as much as you can, because that's really going to be the differentiator in your savings rate as expenses, expenses increase. Awesome. Sarah with a net worth, just shy of $900,000, well on a way to becoming a millionaire. Thanks for coming to the show today. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast with Jace Mattinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website, millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire. Millionaires Unveiled.